Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestle Life Radio, episode 12. I'm Matt, and I'm here with Chris Cumbie and Kyle Pauly. And Chris comes before Kyle because Chris looks kind of like Buzz Lightyear. To infinity and beyond! Wait, Buzz Lightyear or Bliss Lightyear? <laughs> I hope I don't look like Bliss. <laughs> no, no. Uh, you know, Chris definitely does not look like Bliss Lightyear, uh, too uh, much to mine and Kyle's chagrin. Uh, let, let's go ahead, before we hop into the SummerSlam results, let's do a This Day in Wrestling History. All right, we are going to, today we're going to have a This Day in Wrestling History. Okay. You're not prepared at all, are you? I've got it. Don't worry about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll find it somewhere. So, <laughs> All right. He's just like making stuff up like, yeah, this day in wrestling history, like Roddy Piper debuted in 1942. That doesn't sound right. So, uh, yeah, 14 years ago today, uh, and th- this really did happen. I'm not making it up. 14 years ago today in Dayton, Ohio, James Gibson defeated CM Punk, Christopher Daniels, and Samoa Joe in a four-way match to win the Ring of Honor World Championship. Let's uh let's think about this for a second. Okay, let's see see these names here. It was uh, Samoa Joe. Yes. CM Punk. Yes. Christopher Daniels. Yes. Three, you know, th- these three guys they they're doing pretty well for themselves, right? Oh yeah. The winner is uh, James Gibson. Who's I, that? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm gonna Google him real quick. James Gibson wrestler. Is he related James? to Braden Walker? It's Jamie Noble. It's what? who? It's Jamie Noble. Really? <laughs> oh my gosh! I can't believe I forgot about that. Oh, that's incredible. Oh man, we're leaving that in. That's not getting edited out. <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff. All right, guys, we had a, a well, very you're, interesting. You're welcome. Oh, you're yes, welcome. Thank you, thank you, Chris Cumby, <laughs> for this wonderful this day in wrestling history that he totally had prepared. Oh, totally. Well before the to- well before the show started. Totally. <laughs> So let's go into the SummerSlam recap. Overall, as a show, it was very interesting, and we're going to dive a little little more deep into it. Um, I think it had more ups than downs, but uh, let's 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 talk about it a little bit. Oni Lorcan versus Drew Gulak was the first pre-show match, which we said would be a pre-show match. Because I mean, not like it was a hard prediction, right? Because the cruiserweight matches are basically always on the pre-show, right? What did mm-hmm. you guys what did you guys think of this match? Well, it was uh, exactly kind of what we thought it would be. You know, it was a solid cruiserweight match. Gulak looked good. Lorcan looked good. And and I and I hope you you both notice what I was talking about how when uh, Oni Lorcan comes to the ring you're like, "Oh my god. Is this guy for real?" <laughs> right? <laughs> like didn't y'all like feel that? Is it because of his ridiculously long fingers? It's just the, are you prejudiced against guys with long? He fingers? just kind of like just comes out like barreling down, you know. It's just whoa, anyway. Whoa, but he, I mean, whoa, whoa. it was yeah. it was a good match, but it, it 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 you know it ended exactly the way we all predicted, which we can talk about right. our predictions shortly. I actually almost thought Lorcan, just because they made him look strong, winning the uh, number one contendership on two of five live. I, I thought he might have a shot because Drew Gulak is like good and he's, you know, really good in the ring. He's been doing great, but like, I, I just don't see him as a flagship guy. Like for Buddy like Murphy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just not really flashy appearance wise. And, you know, WWE just, 
tends to uh, look on people like him not so favorably sometimes. Yeah. And uh, not that only Lorcan's, you know, so much better looking than him or anything. No, but, uh, he's worse. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> yeah. You know, they kind of made him look strong. And I was like, you know, they probably don't care that much about the Cruiserweight title, so they might take it off of him. So I almost picked him. Uh, but then I was like, ah, who cares? <laughs> Drew Gulak <laughs> is who I picked. And uh, yeah, he won. So, and my life is still exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. Before <laughs> we actually reveal the winners of each match, do you want to uh, say who predicted what as we go through it? Absolutely, I can. Okay. So we obviously all picked Drew Gulak. Yes. We all won. These these next two, though, were announced later, so my prediction of Ember Moon and Bailey being on the pre-show was not correct. Nope. Because they added two random pre-show matches, like, right before the pay-per-view started. Yeah. So the first one was Apollo Crews versus Buddy Murphy. I thought this match was fun. I liked it. I like Buddy Murphy a lot. I like Apollo Crews a lot. They got to wrestle for six, eight minutes, maybe even a little longer. They put on some good spots. And then Rowan comes out of nowhere and beats up Buddy Murphy. We assume because Buddy Murphy said that Rowan was the one that attacked Roman Reigns. Right. And I think Rowan, I think the exact thing he said was, keep my name out of your mouth. Yeah. Right? I was just about to say, there's no perhaps. Like, he grabbed him by the face. It was, yeah. keep my name out of your mouth. <laughs> like, it's pretty clear. So, or I, I, or I will eat you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he should be on Vikings or something. So, out of, uh, out of this match, what did you guys take of it? I just kind of felt like they threw a match together to get Mur- Buddy Murphy beat up. Um, <laughs> I mean, that is exactly what happened. Uh, You're correct. But I, I yep. think Apollo Crews deserves a little bit more than that because he's way better than he came across. Buddy Murphy would not beat Apollo Crews in a match. Really? I think they're both very good. Yeah. And I mean, I think they, I, I, I agree. I think this was just put together so Buddy Murphy could get attacked. But I mean, they're both two really good workers and Murphy's. Been doing good things on two five live, so yeah, I thought it was a pretty good match for what it was. It's right where it needed to be too. Like it shouldn't have been on the sh- the main show or anything. So right, I was fine with it. Yeah, we had a really really cool segment after this, right? I, I didn't I didn't read anything about this. I had no clue it was happening. And then Elias is in the ring, and he basically insults every single Toronto major sports team, right? Yeah. Like he and. He insults the Blue Jays. He insults the Raptors. And I'm not a hockey fan, so I have no idea. He says that there's no Stanley Cup in Toronto. I do know the Stanley Cup. And so he's just running down Toronto and then Edge's music hits. Oh, yeah. And it was a really cool moment. He got a huge pop. Like, you couldn't even hear his music. It was absolutely insane. And he comes out of the ring. And he's, like, looking around. And he's all happy. And then he turns to Elias and spears him. And I honestly didn't know Edge could spear anyone anymore. I, I, I legitimately thought that his neck was so bad that he couldn't take a single bump. And it looks like it was pretty safe. Like he didn't like, you know, Goldberg spear someone, right? Like he right. speared and just kind of dropped to his knees. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't too much of a bump. So I think it was pretty yeah. safe. Yeah, but I, I still worried me a little bit, but he got up. He was happy. I haven't heard that. He's had any major injuries, so yeah. I thought it was I mean, really cool. Some Canadians had to win tonight, so exactly, dude. I said that. I totally, <laughs> I, so, I totally said that to my wife. I was like, they had to <laughs> let one Canadian get over. But uh, honestly, like, if you could tell, like he he was getting kind of emotional, and I read later yeah. that he. 
I think he misses it. Well, that, and I read uh, later that he hadn't been to Toronto since his uh, mom passed away. So that was a big deal for him. It was a big deal for him. So still has the best intro music in the business. It's so good. Yes. Oh, yeah. It is absolutely incredible. Um, Then we had the Women's Tag Team Championship match. So we had two title matches on the pre-show. And we had the Iconics versus Nikki Cross and Bliss Lightyear. The joke that Kyle just made. I'm stealing it now. Because Alexa mm-hmm. Bliss comes out, and she, you know she's a huge Disney fan. If you follow her and her giant pig, yes, she has an Instagram just for her giant pig. If you follow her on Instagram, you can see that she's a huge Disney fan. She's dressed up in Disney characters, you know, cosplayed as them in the past. But she had this, like, Buzz Lightyear thing, and, I mean, it was spot on. Like, it wasn't like a homage or anything. Like, it was a spot on Buzz Lightyear costume. Yeah. Looked freaking awesome. Yeah. Normally she does, like, uh, she'll do costumes like themed by certain I mean I know she did right. like Iron Man when she was in NXT she's done Freddy Krueger stuff like she she'll do themed costumes a lot but this was like yeah straight up Buzz Lightyear gear yeah um I'm surprised she didn't have like big shoulder pads with like wings on it or something <laughs> I love Toy Story though I thought it was so cool and like the ridiculous putting her hand out like she's pretending to, you know, shoot Billy Kay with a laser. And then Corey Graves is like, there's no laser there. It's Even just a red light. Not a laser. Yeah. It's like, it's just her arm. It was really funny. It yeah. Was a good and, you know, and, and speaking of Corey Graves, he kind of turned on Bliss, which to me says Bliss has gone full face. Exactly. Yeah, I thought the same thing. She got a hot tag, so. Yeah, yeah. she did. The match was pretty good. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She, was, wait, wait. She has hot what? Like. <laughs> the match was the match was pretty good the Iconics did a good job obviously Nikki and Alexa did a great job there's really not much more to say about this match other than it was just fine yeah it was good I will say that I and I've told both of you this I seriously seriously like when I saw it it was actually happening I was like oh I should have said something on the preview show like I was thinking I was like well maybe they could do a tag match with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus Peyton and Billy, but then this is it. I had the like no rematch for belts rule now. Like I was like, well they probably won't do it then. They might do it on Raw or something, but and then it happened and I was like, ah, I could have looked so smart if I would have predicted that. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. You definitely didn't tell me and Chris that. No. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, I don't know why you're making stuff up, but um <laughs> just trying to make yourself sound sound smart. That's just embarrassing. Yeah, me want me want sound smart. <laughs> And you know, and you know, and you know that rule. That rule is only good when they want it to be. Like, yeah, it's yeah. Like, like okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, or they'll just like do a match to set it up. But they didn't even do that here. They're just like, yep, here we go. Let's do this again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was good for what it was. Well, you know, yeah, um, I can't remember which one, but one of them came out with the Maleficent uh, headpiece on. Billy Kay. Yeah, Billy Kay did. So yeah, I thought that was weird because they both did it at WrestleMania. Yeah. So I don't know. Whatever. SummerSlam then officially opened with a women's match, and it was Becky Lynch versus Natalia. Kyle, what did you think of this? Uh, I thought it was a really good match. They Surprisingly, the crowd seemed to be, you know, at least to start with, more on Becky's side, and she wasn't booed out of the building like I thought she might be. Now, as the match went on, and she pretty much screwed herself when she put the sharpshooter on, and that's when everybody kind of turned on her. But other than that, like they seemed to like her, and even at the the finish, they didn't uh, boo her like crazy or anything. Yeah, I think Becky was still over here. I was kind of surprised, but I thought they did a good job of making Natalia the heel. So maybe I say that though, but this was also a very not 
Canadian crowd, if you guys yeah, noticed. They were like, weird, yeah. yeah, throughout the show, they were pretty quiet. Like, not like, you know, most Canada shows that they do. So it's kind of strange. I don't know. I thought I thought the, the crowd was pretty into most of the matches. I mean, there were a couple that were a little quiet, but they were definitely, in, I think, into it. Yeah, I, I yeah, to an extent. But, like, I think generally Canadian crowds are firmly behind their Canadian superstar. And I don't know, I, I was surprised, even as over as Becky is, that it was, you know, even half and half, really. They cheered Goldberg. They did I mean, cheer we'll Goldberg. we'll get to that. Yeah. I mean, but as soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> Did they sell out this arena with WWE employees or something? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, uh, I I thought the match was, was solid. I didn't think the match was great. And I thought the match was going to be really, really great. So I don't want to take anything away from it because it was a good match. But honestly, I was still, still left a little disappointed because I thought it was going to be better. I think you're being a little unfair because this is a really good match. And the fact that it started off and I like the fact that it started the pay-per-view because, you know, they want they want a, a really good match to start it. Yeah. And and I think that these two really carried that. Natalia did a lot better than I thought she would, to be honest with you. And I, I thought it was a great match. And by the way, we all picked Becky Lynch. We did. Yeah, and Natalia's always been solid in the ring, but I, I, I don't know. Like, again, I didn't think it was a bad match at all. It was way better than these Becky Lynch, Lacey Evans matches we've been getting. Um, it, it, again, it was solid. It was solid, but I, I expected to be blown away by this match. Which So I, I think that my problem was I had such high expectations that it, it wasn't really fair for them to, to, try to try to match it. Again, nothing against the match. It was good. I just yeah, as usual, better. Matt, you were the problem. Yes, here. exactly. That's true. That's true. I feel bad. That's true. If you have kids, I feel bad for them one day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's I move into Goldberg. Much more out of you. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's move into Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler. Uh, who did we pick in Goldberg versus Ziggler? We all- well, you're skipping the uh, Trish Stratus interview that she had. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Did you, did it you was see so what you weird? Said? No, it was awful. Yeah. It was so bad. Uh, it was just, oh man! He said something just, like, "Oh, I always shine brightest under the brightest lights," and I'm like, <laughs> "Everybody shines brightest under the brightest lights." What are you talking about? Yeah, it, it was a very, it was a very WWE written s- script that she had. Like, I thought Trish was always like decent on the mic. I always felt that she was okay. Um, yeah. She definitely got better as she uh, as her career went along. But yeah, this was like. Yeah, very strange. It's like she came, it, it sounded like she came back. Somebody handed her a script and they're just like, yeah, do this. And she's like, oh, God. Like, it just, <laughs> and she's the queen of queens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like if this was my actual last match and they handed that to me, I would just tear it up and say whatever I wanted to say. I mean, it, the, the promo was just so bad and made her look so dumb. And then, like, you could tell, like, whoever wrote that just thought that last line was just like gold. Like, oh, uh, <laughs> If she thinks she's the queen, well, then that makes me the queen of queens. <laughs> and it's just like, Kayla was just staring at her. Nobody cheered in the crowd. She's uh, <laughs> like, death. And my wife says, it's so awkward at the end of these interviews where they like give their punchline and then they just stare at each other for like six seconds yeah. before it fades out. And I said, yeah, that happens all the time and it's always bad. It's always yeah. bad. Now, did she really yep. say that or are you just making up that she said that? She said that. Okay. 
Just checking. Did you not watch mm. it? Did you not watch SummerSlam? No. Are you just making all this stuff up? No, it's just sometimes you make up things that your wife says. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my bad. Sorry. Oh, yeah, we can't. We got to. I can't wait till I can reply to that on Wednesday. Ah, <laughs> oh, you guys got to tune in on Wednesday. Uh, okay, so anyway, Goldberg versus Ziggler. We all picked Goldberg, We all right? picked Goldberg. Okay, yep. so here's here's how the match went. Ziggler comes down, gets in the ring. Goldberg comes down, gets in the ring. And as the bell rings, Ziggler super kicks Goldberg and goes for a pin. Goldberg gets the one. Ziggler's like, get up! Goldberg gets up. Super kick. And at that split second moment, I'm like, there's no way Ziggler's winning this. Right? He pins him. One count. I'm like, all right, definitely not. And then he prepares for a third. And I'm like, oh, God, please don't let Ziggler win this. Because I understand that I should say, I want the new guy to go over. But I grew up watching WCW, and I don't like seeing Goldberg lose to people that don't matter. Undertaker loss was fine. But there's not a whole lot of people on the roster that I could take a loss by Goldberg to. So he prepares for a third super kick, and he gets speared out of his shoes. I mean, it was one of the best-looking spears I have ever seen, and I have seen just tons of Goldberg matches. Picks him up for the jackhammer. One, two, three. The match lasts one minute and 50 seconds. After that, Ziggler goes. Goldberg's getting out of the ring, walking towards the back, and Ziggler's like, you don't have the guts to face me man to man. And he's like writhing around in pain on the floor. Like he can't even stand up. Goldberg comes back in, waits for him to stand back up. He spears him again. Then Goldberg leaves. He's gone. He's in the back. And Ziggler goes, give me a mic. And he says, you don't have the balls to come out here and face me. And the, the announcers are like, Ziggler, what are you doing? And I'm like, Ziggler, what are you doing? Do you want to die tonight? Do you have a death wish? So Goldberg's music hits, and as his music hits, like Ziggler's still running his mouth, and then as soon as the music hits, you can just like see the defeat in his face. And he sold it so well. And so Dolph Ziggler is one of the best salesmen, I think, ever, and which makes sense because he idolized Shawn Michaels. So Goldberg comes back in the ring, and Ziggler can't stand up. So Goldberg picks him up, staring at him in the face, and like Ziggler's on wobbly legs. Goldberg pats him on the shoulder, and he starts to walk away. Then he bounces off one rope, bounces off the other, and spears him again. Then he leaves, and Ziggler's writhing around in pain again. And it was amazing. I loved it. If Goldberg did this every single pay-per-view, I would be all for it. It was terrific. Yeah, we all knew that Dolph could sell that spear better than probably anybody could. That's why they have the match. And I'm pretty sure that maybe that's... Dolph Ziggler's new gimmick is I'm going to get beat up and then call people back out. Get uh, That's going to be his new gimmick. Just mark our words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it was what everybody thought it was going to be. It was a slaughter on uh, live TV. It was enjoyable. I will say that the, the crowd kind of got less and less into Goldberg when he came out. I mean, they still cheered. Yeah. But he won. Everybody loved it. They went crazy. Then Ziggler got, you know, ran his mouth and got speared again. I kind of thought it went on a little too long, but it was still fun. I, I did love, though, when he got back in the ring and, like, picked him up. It was like, uh, you're good. And then hit the ropes was, and then came back and speared him. That, that was, was pretty funny. awesome. Yeah, it made it worth it. For what it was, just what it needed to be, uh, it was really fun. Yeah, I, I really, I mean, 
again, WCW kid here. I loved it. So good. After that, we had, to me, and I'll see if you guys agree, what I thought was the match of the night in Ricochet versus AJ Styles. Chris, what did you think of this match? This match was everything that we thought it would be. We all picked AJ Styles to win the match. Um, It was some great back and forth. Honestly, like I loved uh, Ricochet's outfit. He looked, he's dressed like Nightwing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, spot on. In fact, my, my daughter called that. She was like, he's dressed like Nightwing. And awesome. so uh, <laughs> yeah. um, there was some really awesome moves going. When he put in that calf crusher, I was like, oh, my God, he's really hurting. Ricochet did the Anaconda Vice. I was like, that's so I cool. know. It was awesome. And, and then we, we figured what would happen. The OC got involved because AJ is a heel now and can't have a clean win. So, But then he... You know, his finisher, it, it was just, it looked great. It was a great match. And you're right. It was the match of the night. Yeah, I loved it. I don't know. I, I guess I'm going to be Debbie Downer here. Uh, boo. Boo. Skip. <laughs> the, so I, I thought the match was fine. I like this. I like the story of the match of uh, Styles attacking Ricochet's leg and um, him kind of being grounded throughout the whole match. But I guess for that reason, I, I would have loved to see more because I think they can do more. So I think when they ever, whenever they have their final blow-off match, and I hope this wasn't it, I think it'll be, no pun intended, phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm waiting to see that match. It's still good for what it was. Um, you know, Styles is the heel here, and OC is getting over with all the belts, so I understand it. And this was an, an, uh, a match kind of where the, the crowd was still kind of dead through it. They weren't really... They could have been more into it than what they actually were, and um, but it was impressive to see Ricochet pulling off moves with like one leg. Like he sold it pretty well throughout the match, so it was a good match. I don't think it was great, but uh, for what it was, and I liked the story throughout it. I thought it was really good. The only reason you don't think this is great is because the night before Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole just literally tore the house. Yes, yeah. and I mean, and like I said, the, I understand the story of like him taking out Ricochet's leg, but. I just want to see a match where they just like both of them go crazy with, you know, like that's kind of the ideal match I guess I have in my head for these two and what I think they would do in a blow off match. I was thinking um, I wanted to, to, to talk about two moves in particular. The one when Ricochet, Ricochet walked on the OC, like yeah. each of them and then, <laughs> and then hit AJ Styles like, Oh my God. And then when he did the move on the top rope with one leg, I was like, this yeah, this, this cool. guy has so much control over his body in midair. It's ridiculous. And then the, the I don't know what, what the move is called, but he did some kind of insane flippy thing, and AJ Styles caught him into a powerbomb and picked him up into a Styles Clash for the finish. Yes. I mean, th- these finishes between these guys have just been really, yeah, really insane. Awesome. Yeah, it was really good. And see, I, I, I have read a lot of people agreeing with what you said, Kyle, about how they didn't like the way the match ran, and it's because they wanted the Young Bucks versus Pentagon and, and uh, Ray Phoenix. But... I I don't know. It just seems like it just seems like AJ Styles is pointing out that he's smarter than Ricochet, and yeah. basically he said before, "I've done everything you you've done before. I've done everything you can do, kid, and I am smarter than that now. I don't have to do that anymore." And yeah. from a strict storytelling standpoint, I absolutely loved it. And would I like yeah. to see Ricochet do nine more flips? Yeah, I would have. I'm not gonna lie. 
but I really enjoyed it. I don't think every match, every Ricochet match has to be like that, even though he has that ability. I, I liked, I loved the match. Yeah. No, but I, I think part of the problem too is this, I, I feel like they wanted, or maybe it was Paul Heyman, they wanted the OC to get over. They wanted AJ Styles to get over and like when they reformed. And so I feel like they really rushed AJ's because Ricochet, we talked about, he only had it for a month before he lost it to AJ. Right. And I was okay with it at, at the time because it made sense that, you know, AJ and the OC team, you know, teaming up against him would be too much for him to handle, but it felt kind of rushed in a sense. That, I mean, he only had it for a month, so it, he didn't get a chance to, and he didn't really, he wasn't lighting the world on fire as far as like, uh, beating everybody, or at least more recently, he wasn't beating everybody before he won the U.S. title. So it was kind of like he was kind of lukewarm as when he won the title, and then he lost it straight again, and now he's lost twice in a row. So he, I guess, because I think that's why the crowd was a little dead because he wasn't like they weren't as behind him as much as they could have been, thinking that he was like on fire and was going to get his belt back. Like he was kind of cold from that. I think. Okay. I, I understand yeah. that, but I mean, I still enjoyed the match. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm saying negative things, but I did enjoy it for what it was, and I still like the story. I just, I think they can have a better match. They do that kind of high flying show or whatever, and they did, you know, a good bit of it here too. But, but I understand it for the story that they were telling that they weren't able to. You just never see ring psychology anymore, and I just really enjoy that aspect. It told a really good story, and and that's what they did. And I honestly think that this is this is probably it for them. I think that was their last match. Yeah, I hope not, but you're probably right. Uh, so we had Bailey versus Ember in the next match, and Chris is the resident Bailey fan. What did you think of this match? Well, we all picked Bailey. We did. In in all, I think it was a, a pretty solid match for the two of them. For some reason, uh, you know, Bailey got booed. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> she's uh, turning into they, Bailey Cena here. Yeah, I mean they were they were booing her pretty hard, um, and and they were behind Ember Moon. I thought that they they had some good back and forth. I would have liked to have been a little bit longer. I feel it, it was just kind of you know it was good. You know, I guess I kind of feel about this the way you felt about the first match. Um, yeah, but but I do think that uh, I think it was the right decision to have Bailey hang on to it. And Ember just, you know, we talk about this all the time. Ember looked strong in losing. I think this was another match where the, this, it, uh, and I don't know if it's because Goldberg was before the AJ Styles and Rick Shea match and he kind of, the crowd got really into that, you know, when he, you know, hit the jackhammer and the spear and everything. But they were kind of dead for this match too. And there wasn't really any excitement around it. And so I felt like a lot of what they were doing was hollow. But it was fine. It was about what you'd expect from a SmackDown women's match. Bailey hit the Bailey to Bailey off the the, the top rope, or the, yeah, the top rope. I it think. was a cool finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was good. Um, hopefully, they they do more with them, and um, Ember can get a little bit more uh, steam behind her, and maybe they can put on a better feud. But it was kind of they, they hadn't done a whole lot. They just kind of attacked each other a little bit. They're um, wasn't a whole lot behind it. So I don't know if that's why the crowd was acting the way they they, they did, but I just kind of noticed it. it stuck out to me in a couple of these matches. Yeah, I think that this match really suffered because in the build-up to it, it, it played second fiddle to Becky and Natalia, even on it was SmackDown, right, where Natalia yeah. basically took out uh, Ember Moon. 
and Bailey yeah. came out to help her. Well, and like I even said, when Bailey and Ember lost to uh, Bliss and Nikki Cross for like no reason, like right. it was just kind of yeah. I felt it just felt really cold going into it. Yeah, the buildup was really poor, and I, I I just couldn't get behind this match. And like I love Ember Moon, and I like Bailey a lot. And I I think we I know we mentioned it privately. I don't know if we talked about it in the uh, the actual show or not, but. I was expecting really big things in this match, and I thought this was just like a regular SmackDown match. This could have been on free TV, and it would have been the exact same match. I don't know. I was just disappointed. Again, not it wasn't a bad match. It wasn't a it wasn't a good match. It was just fine. And these girls are so much better than just fine, and that's yeah. why I was disappointed. Yeah, I feel like this would have been if this would have been Bailey NXT champion against Ember Moon NXT when she was like on the hot streak when yeah. she was going up against Oscar, you know, it would have been amazing. It would have been a great takeover match, but a SmackDown women's title match on the main roster with a poor build, you know, it's kind of what it was. So then we move into Canada's own Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. Ugh. And Shane comes out. Know, do you want to know who picked who? Yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, Matt and Chris both picked Kevin Owens. Kyle... Kyle picked Shane McMahon. Did he? Mm. He did. I will say that I should have won this because Owen probably should have been disqualified like a handful of times, <laughs> but I digress. Hey, Chris, did, did we pick the same picks all the way through? Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Kevin Owens won this match. and eh, eh. Okay, so Shane comes out. Make sure I'm not forgetting anything, guys. Shane comes out, and they do the best in the world thing. Kevin Owens comes out, and then Shane says, oh, I've got a special guest enforcer. It's Elias. So Elias comes out in a referee shirt. I was kind of hoping Edge would come down and join Owens. Yeah, that actually would have been really cool. Like, I think it would have helped the match out. Yeah. But <laughs> On this day, yeah, that would have been I nice. see clearly. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> but the, the match was, I mean, it was a Shane McMahon match. You can't expect a five-star amazing match right but it was yeah. fine like kevin you Owens, can't wrestle exactly. i'll tell you who, i'll tell you who didn't see you clearly can't wrestle it was kevin owens like he this uh this match bugged me so bad because like it's shane mcmahon wrestling anyway but owens was like the dumbest baby face in this match yeah like he was i remember elias like interfered at one point and Owens was like, you're better than this. And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) What? And then he kept going outside the ring and getting in Elias's face and nearly being counted out. And then, and and I thought what would happen was he would almost get counted out and he would be like, he would be out there just kind of like letting Elias know, like, yeah, I'm here. I'll, you know, I'll beat you up too. And then just like roll back in the ring. But no, he would wait until like seven or eight and be like, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was like, really dumb. It's like, are you seriously almost getting counted out because you're arguing with this dude? Like he ran outside chasing Shane at one point and Elias tripped him. Like you'd do like to a high schooler or something. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> and then Kevin Owens, I did, I did like, you know, when he, grabbed the chair and was like, you know, going to use it when the, uh, the ref was down, even though Owens flipped on Elias, who was an official and the actual referee, which should have been a disqualification. Exactly. And I should have won. 
Uh, Why don't you quit crying about it, Kyle? You got it wrong. You hit Elias with a quit chair. Crying. Right? Could have been another disqualification. Chris is definitely the heel in this group. One hundred percent. Yeah. What he's whining about losing, and I'm and I'm calling him out on it. You're. you're That's what's you're, happening right you're now. You're bullying him. Oh, get over it, Matt. I'm going to tell you. Oh, man. Yeah, everybody knows the baby face is always right. Exactly. So, yeah, but finish, finish talking about the match. So he, after uh, he does the move on Elias and accidentally hits the referee, he gets back in the ring and sees the chair is still there, right? Right. And he grabs it and teases like he's going he's gonna to hit Shane. And then the ref slowly gets back in and, if, you know, he decides to throw the chair out of the ring. And, or, or he puts it down, the referee grabs it and goes to throw it out of the ring. And then when the ref has his back turn, Owens kicks Shane in the uh, the balls and then hits him with a stunner and pins him. Yeah, how Did you guys predict that, that nut shot? Because as soon as the ref turns his back, I look at my wife and I said, he's about to kick him in the nuts. And he does it immediately and she goes, how did you know that? And I said, I don't know. I've just been watching WWE long enough that like I just knew it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So it's just one, one of those things, I guess. Oh, and he did go crazy with the chair on Elias on the outside. That's why Elias could interfere. Elias interfered pretty much the entire match. The match was, I mean, the match was passable. I don't know if I would say it was fine. It was passable. But Kevin Owens got a huge pop. Shane Man lost exactly what should have happened. I mean, the crowd was into Owens, so that helped it a lot. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree. It was just whatever. Yeah. It, was- <laughs> it, 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 it just made me angry that they've been pushing Owens so like you know to be strong and i've i've liked that he's he has gotten beaten up by shane but he has been double teamed a lot so it's like I, okay i could you know give him a pass for that you know he he took both of them on on smackdown and um did pretty well and then kind of got cheap shot by shane and that's how he got the advantage and then took that you know wicked dropkick chair shot right type spot but uh here he was just like dumb throughout the match and I was like, I can't get behind this. Yeah, I know. I know. So. He, he went to the uh, Seth Rollins school of baby facing. Um, so, after, Chris, do you want to add anything to this? No, the Matt and Kyle show is great without me. Uh, good. Yeah, good job. <laughs> so, after that, we had Trish Stratus versus Charlotte Flair and Chris, our resident heel. Why don't you tell us about Trish Stratus versus Charlotte Flair? Well, I'll go ahead and tell you who picked two. And before Kyle can start crying about why Trish should have won, Kyle picked Trish, and uh, Matt and Chris uh, picked Charlotte Flair. That's correct. This is this is exactly what we said and what we thought it would be. You know, Charlotte looked strong. Trish made a comeback. You know, because she's the face. But uh, they went the right way here. Um, it would have done no good for Trish to win. Charlotte did end up winning with the and and you know it was pretty cool as Trish Trish put her in the figure eight. And she, uh, everyone was, you know, it had a big pop, big reaction. Uh, she couldn't hold it. Charlotte didn't tap. And then she put it on Trish and she did tap out. It's because she's short. <laughs> she had several inches on her. <laughs> um, I guess I didn't realize how short she was until she stood next Trish to Charlotte. Yeah. That was a pretty good job when Trish was like the women's champion and kind of like led the division back in the day of getting other short heels like, yeah. They'd have Jazz, uh, Molly Holly, uh, Victoria was a little bit bigger than her, but not much. Like they always did a pretty good job of not putting giant women up against her. No. Yeah, she's always been very tiny. Yeah, but uh, and, and you know what? 
Charlotte really did carry her a lot. If you if you noticed, even when Trish did her signature move, you can tell Charlotte literally had to pick her up and uh, take the fall. Oh yeah. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it's exactly what we thought it was. It was a good send off for Trish. I think this was kind of her final final retirement. Uh, if if you watch, they WWE did a video of Charlotte and uh, she gave a lot of props to Trish that it was, you know, a dream come true to, to wrestle her and really put her, put her over that way. Yeah. I honestly, as far as sheer wrestling goes, not just, not actual enjoyment, but sheer wrestling, this is my second favorite match of the night. I mean, Trish had a little bit of ring rust, but there were such minute things where, you know, she would have that very momentary pause before she did something. But it was it was just it could be hidden so well, and she did such a good job. This match went a little long, but I was okay with that because I enjoyed it the whole time. This is by far the best women's match of the night. I I, I really enjoyed it. I loved the the stratisfaction. I loved the chick kick. The crowd really popped for the stratisfaction. The chick kick kind of came out of nowhere, and I think they forgot that was one of her finishers. It's always been kind of weird when she does it. Yeah. Sometimes, so. The crowd was was yeah. pretty into this match because they were, you know, obviously big Trish fans in Toronto. She didn't get the the pop that I expected her to get when she came out, but I, man, I just I really enjoyed it. I really did. Yeah, the crowd was definitely behind Trish. It was kind of sloppy and slow to start out with. Uh, then it picked up, and yeah, they they started popping when she the the figure eight, and then when she hit the uh, satisfaction. Yeah, I mean, so they they definitely got into it, and I I enjoyed it as well, and I I agree. I think this is the best women's match of the night. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and it was a good send off match. Yeah, I agree. I, honestly, I honestly between the two, I still liked uh, Becky and Natalia better than this match. Did you? They're, yeah, they're probably on the same level. I mean, they were both you know good matches. So now we're gonna move into what should have been the second best match of the night, but that finish, man, <laughs> that finish. Oh, oh. <laughs> And before we get into that, I want to say, and I'm not sure exactly where it happened in the show, so I want to go ahead and point it out. It was well before this. They were going through, like they always do, and all the different commentators for the different languages. And then, randomly, (laughs) R-Truth and Carmella are there for, like, no reason. I don't even remember what language they said they were speaking, but they were clearly speaking English. It was so good and so funny. It was. Before that, there was a backstage segment with The New Day. And Biggie's like, oh, man, we got Drake for you, Kofi. And, you know, kind of saying that it was uh, Toronto, I guess, legend rapper uh, and huge Toronto sports fan, Drake, right? It was Drake Maverick. And so, <laughs> right. Like five foot seven white boy, Drake Maverick comes back there and he's like, wiki, 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 wah. And it was so bad and cringy, but it was so funny and I loved it. It was absolutely incredible. And then he's like, you told me R-Truth would be here. That's why I'm here. And then he like gives him an R-Truth flyer. Have you seen this man? He's like, tell me if you see him and I'm going to keep the unicorn horn, which he had on. That, that I mean, it was spot And he kept the do-rag. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. And, and the do-rag. And then there was another backstage segment with the Street Profits and Ric Flair. And this, this one, was also great. This one? Yes. You really? Uh, okay. Not bad. Well, I mean, the Street Profits were the Street Profits yeah. until Ric Flair showed up, and then he made it a lot better. That is true. There you go. That's, that's really yeah. all that needs to be said. Anything Ric Flair is better. Yes. There's, not, there's not much to say about it, honestly. Like, Woo! Street Profits are being silly, and then Ric Flair comes. They do the whole, you know, kiss Dylan, wheel and Dylan thing, and he dances with them, and they move on. Uh, anyway, Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton. This match was good. It was really good. Yes. Yes. 
my, I think my favorite part of the match was when Kofi Kingston's walking around Randy Orton, who's on the ground, and said, who's stupid? Not me. You're stupid. And which I know sounds ridiculous because it sounds like something a five-year-old would say back after they've been called stupid. But in this in this instance, when we know from 10 years ago that Randy Orton called Kofi stupid because he messed up a punt, it was it was just so great. It yeah. Was so there was a lot of intensity this match. Like they really especially during the beginning, they were like jawing at each other and yeah. you know, playing it up like they were really angry at each other. Right. I mean, some of it might have been you know, a little bit legitimate, like, or at least legitimate in the sense that they're Kofi's, you know, kind of getting a little bit of frustration that he felt from, you know, back in the day when Randy really called him stupid. And he was like, I'm going to use this in the match. You know, obviously yeah. they don't really hate each other, but they, they definitely, they had a little bit of fire behind him. Both of them were kind of going at it. Randy Orton was throwing pancakes at him. Yeah. Which was great. And they had yeah. so many false spots that I just knew was going to be great. Like Kofi did his like frog splash crossbody thing. And like as he leaves, I'm like, this is an RKO, but it wasn't. And then it's like five minutes later, he does a splash off the top and it moves and it and lands into an RKO. And I'm like, I, I expected it all along. Yeah, I, I really like the pace of the match too. It, it it was definitely kind of a Randy Orton pace, you know. Again, going back to what we talked about earlier, just about telling that story. It wasn't just about making a bunch of really cool looking moves, but it was telling a story and you really felt like these two guys wanted to kill each other. Right. And by the way, we, we all got this because of the ending, but so this is going to count for a draw for all of us. Yeah. Uh, but if, uh, if <laughs> I don't know if you had your volume up, but there was a couple of times that Kofi was throwing down some words at, at Randy and oh yeah, when, when he was down and he had the kendo stick, <laughs> he said, get your blank blank up. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> right. In front and then did you see his kid bow up to Randy Orton? I did. I did. So that was awesome. Before we get to the Kendo <laughs> stick part, like say, so basically what happened was Orton RKO's Kofi, who rolls out of the ring. And then Randy Orton goes out and starts picking Kofi up. And he's like getting in his family's face, getting in Kofi's family's face. And the bell rings. I'm like, wait a minute. What happened? Did like, did he get disqualified by accident? No. It was like the world's fastest count out. Mm-hmm, and I'm yeah. like, wait, wait, what is happening here? So then because Kofi got into his family's face, Kofi just, I'm sorry, because Randy got in Kofi's family's face, they just, he goes off and he starts yeah. beating the crap out of Randy. He's beating him up with a kendo stick. After that, Kofi stands tall. I just don't understand. Like if they wanted Kofi to stand tall, why didn't just he beat him? Why didn't he just win? Orton yeah. can wrestle him again. They do it all the time. I don't. I don't get it. The, the finish really ruined, not completely ruined it, but it pretty much ruined the match for yeah. me. Because at the end, I was just like, "What?" Yeah. Like, it, it it was just such. They they had so much fire between them through the match. I felt like Randy was bringing out the best of Kofi. I mean, he came out with the pancakes and was all happy. But as soon as that bell rang, it was all business. Yep. Yeah. And Orton kind of. Hand, you know, held the pancake out with a little smirk on his face, and Orton slapped it out of his hand and was like, no, this is go time. And they were going at each other, and I really enjoyed it. And then the ending happened, and I was just like, what is going on? Yeah. Kofi got the kendo stick and was beating down Orton, and he had fire when he was doing that, but 
because of the ending of the match and uh, and the crowd was along with it, they were chanting, you know, BS and booing. They were booing the heck out of it. Booing and so, but they booed Kofi after he beat down Orton and Kofi was done and stood tall. He still got booed. Like yeah. they were just not happy. I mean, understandably, because it just ruined what was going to be a good match. Yeah, this is a total WWE move. You know, take a really good match and and WWE it up. Right. Yes. You know, I mean, we can't let either one of them lose. God forbid. And so this is what happens. Let's compare this to the Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen match that went to a draw. And that was a time limit, so it was very different. But that match was incredible. Darby, who at the time, for most wrestling fans, was a no-name against who's essentially the face of the company, right? I mean, Cody is the executive vice president that everyone knows because he has the WWE name. He's Dusty Rhodes' son. He wrestled in WWE forever. And he fought Darby Allen and basically had him beat. He had the pin, but the time limit ran out. And everyone ate it up. And they loved yeah. it. And that's the kind of draw that needs to happen. It made Darby right. look good. It didn't make Cody look stupid. This made both Randy Orton and Kofi Kingston, two of your biggest stars in the entire company, look so dumb. Yeah. I, I just I don't get it. I don't get it at all. It, I actually don't necessarily think it made them look dumb. It just ruined, like, because everybody just knew. They were just like, this is ridiculous. It, yeah. I think it was just WWE made them look, they they looked dumb themselves. And I guess, you know, Kofi and Orton, just, you know, by circumstance, because they were in the match, you know, came off bad. But yeah. I don't think, I mean, good. yeah, it wasn't like they botched a spot or did anything. Like, they just got counted out and it's just, you know, they did what they were supposed to. And it was just bad. Yeah, this was this was a Vince call. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you could for sure. You could totally tell it was a Vince call. Yeah, and I mean, I think you're right in the sense of their push, or you know, like what momentum this kind of was gaining, and what it you know it built during the match. It all suffered because of the end. So in that sense, their heat that they had going is you know almost extinguished. I don't know how they're going to salvage it, but it, it was it was heading to be like probably the match of the night, or like definitely one of the matches of the night and then it was just like a dud yeah at the end it's, yeah it was, yeah it was really pretty much ruined it for me so let's move into arguably the greatest debut or re-debut in this case since survivor series 1990 when the undertaker made his debut or i guess you could argue uh i don't remember the pay-per-view whenever kane debuted so finn balor comes out and he's in pure white, right? Looking very, tidy whitey. Yeah, tidy whitey. I, I don't like the I don't like the, the tights. They're white that have no logo. Yeah, white on. tights never look. No, good. they never do. They never do. But he's I got his fruit of looms on exactly. <laughs> but I kind of get it because he was like I think he was supposed to be. Unless like, you're Alexa Bliss, who well, had white tights. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean for the guys, but like it, yeah. it doesn't. I think he was supposed to look like you know pure or angelic or whatever. So he comes out, and then man. I can try to describe it to you, and I'm going to. But as soon as this podcast is over, if you haven't seen it, please go watch The Fiend's Entrance. It was so, so good. The yes. Firefly Funhouse music starts. And for a split second, I'm like, he's not coming out to this, right? And then like, it starts to glitch, and then the, the lights start going off little by little, like when he came in to attack everyone. And then... One by one, the words come on the screen, let him in. And then his music starts, and it was this, and I want to talk about the music a little bit. 
it was this weird heavy metals type. It was a redo of his his original uh, theme. Yeah, oh, I thought it was awesome. It's I, so good, it, so good. Uh, so here's here's my problem with it. And I don't want to complain because Inch was amazing, and I'll get back to it in a minute. But I saw this thing on Reddit where Framing Handley, Framing Handley, who is the band that uh, cut, did the rock cover of Lil Wayne's Lollipop. That ring a bell to either of you guys? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, it's those guys. And apparently the lead singer and Bray Wyatt are really good friends. So Bray said, hey, I'm going to be redo- debuting this new character. He's going to be real creepy. Will you please make me uh, a theme for it? And so he did, and the WWE didn't accept it. So they released it on Reddit, and I listened to it. And it, it was it was just a little, you know, it was like regular rock. And I thought, hmm, that doesn't really fit because I don't think rock can fit with this character. And then he comes out in this like heavy metal type. I don't know. I, it just wasn't what I expected. I think that in a couple weeks, I'll be like, that was great. And I'll be over it. But I think in my first impression, I was expecting something quiet and creepy and like Japanese horror type. So it, it was unexpected. Either way, he comes out holding essentially his old head. Was I was going to say, he came out with a severed head I mean, with was, a lantern inside. His. Like, was, that's pretty metal. It was, it was awesome. Head. It was so, so good. And he like kind of lumbers to the ring almost like a zombie in this like the fiend mask and the carnival get up. It looked so, so good. It looked like that's so the type good. of things that like, I want to see more of with this character, not the screams and the flashing lights and the trying to make it scary or whatever. Yeah. Do something like, as soon as I saw that head, I was like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And I was on board for, I was like, I'm all in on this character now I mean, just cause that is so awesome. It, I mean, it's creepy and it's awesome. The same, like that's right. the type of stuff that he needs more of. And he's done a pretty, I mean, the mask is that way. They should just give him creative control of this character because I'm pretty sure he had a lot to do with these type of things and probably not so much to do with the lights and the, you know, the screaming and all that stuff because that seems like forced WWE, like, ooh, it's creepy, isn't it? Like that type of thing, whereas the head by itself is just like, this is all it needs. Oh, it it was insane. Just show me, you know, this creepiness and I'm on board. With his, with the lighting though, even with the lighting when he was coming in, it really added to the creepiness and the scariness yeah. of it all where you could kind of see his face, but not kind you know, but not honestly, like if I was a kid watching this, I'd be kind of freaked out and be like, can we change the channel? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, was, it was just done so well. And, and so he, he finally gets into the ring and Finn Balor, who said, man, I'm not afraid of anything. I've stared fear in the face before. The lights come back on and the camera goes to Finn Balor and he looks just like he crapped his pants. And he's like, yes. I, wish, I wish my tights were brown instead of white because, oh my <laughs> gosh. I mean, he looked like, what did I get myself into? So he gets in the ring, the match starts, and Bray Wyatt has tons and tons of offense. He's he's beating him up pretty bad. Then he like, it's almost like he's struggling within, within his mind. He holds the hurt and heel hands up to him. He falls back into the corner, right? And so, like, he, he's, like, listening to his hands, and that, that's almost a distraction for Finn Balor. And so Finn Balor comes, and he finally gets some offense in. Well, it doesn't matter, because he gets offense in for, like, 60 seconds. And then he jumps off the top. The Fiend catches him with the mandible claw. 
and knocks him out. He's unconscious, and instead of just calling the match for some reason, the ref counted to three. And yeah, I thought I was weird, but counted to three, yeah. and then the fiend won. So he's like, he's staring at the the camera, and then the lights go out. You hear Bray Wyatt's creepy laugh, and then mm-hmm. he's up on the ramp, and it does the weird music with the strobe light. The lights go out again, and he's gone. And then it goes back to Finn Balor. It was so good. I mean, yeah. it, we've been saying for months, please don't screw this up. Please don't screw this up. And I, they didn't. It was terrific. No. Yeah, it was fantastic. And you know what? Uh, we all picked Bray Wyatt to win this because we all knew that if they, he didn't, it would be a waste. Right. And um, you know that whenever he did that thing where he was kind of, you know, kind of arguing within his own head, and then he grabs, <laughs> he grabs uh, Finn Balor's head, and then like makes it look like he snapped his neck. Oh my gosh! I was like, oh my god, he's killing him. Yeah. <laughs> my wife literally said, right now it should come up on the screen. Kids, don't try this at home because like <laughs> that looked like something out of Call of Duty where you just murder somebody. Yeah. Yeah, it was so awesome. I loved it, man. I loved it. It was so good. Mm. And uh, I I was really kind of surprised that he wrestled the entire match with that mask on. I I thought eventually he would take it off, but I like it with it on because it adds a whole new level of just freaky. Yeah, I think it makes him a different persona. I think eventually he'll probably come out without the mask, but he'll be happy Firefly Funhouse Bray. I, I... I enjoyed this a lot. Like I said, I, I was on board as soon as I saw the severed head. Uh, the, the next snap <laughs> thing I forgot about, but that was a little weird for me. That was a little bit of a stretch because I played video games forever, and that's like a like a death finishing move. Yeah, so yeah. Like I was like, she just killed Finn Balor. Like I don't. So that was kind of just strange. And then the I think the only thing that I'm not on board with, and maybe I'll I'll be fine with it later on. I'm not sure. I'm not a big fan of the mandible claw. Yeah, it's just, and I, I'm not. I don't think he should have. I, I don't think he should have kept his sister Abigail as his finisher. Like maybe use it as a move here and there, you know, a false finish or something. But uh, when he used it on Mick Foley, it was fine. But just as a finisher, it it's kind of weak to me. I I would like to see him. He's so crazy and so like you know, creepy acting anyway. I kind of see him like. He needs a stronger move. I actually liked when he did the standing like STO and he just like slammed Balor down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Almost like a rock bottom choke slam hybrid, like that standing STO, something like that, or another high impact move, I think would fit him better than the mandible claw. But we'll see, you know, what happens. It is kind of, it does, I guess, lend to the let me in, you know, type thing. Yeah. Like let my hand in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm going to strangle you and make you throw up at the same yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. I, other than that, though, love him. Okay. Uh, so we're going to move into the main event, and Chris and I are going to be silent for quite a bit because uh, uh, we both hate separate performers here. And Kyle is going to tell you about Brock Lesnar versus uh, Seth Rollins, and then after Kyle finishes, Chris, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you talk for a minute. Do we want to say who picked two? Hey, go ahead. You keep. You keep bypassing yeah, this. Yeah, I'm man. sorry. This is the first time. Yeah. Go ahead. This is this is your job as the host. I know. I, I apologize. I'm very sorry. We both picked Brock Lesnar. Kyle's the only person in the world that picked Seth Rollins. To- <laughs> 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 well, I mean, like I said, it, there was really nowhere for his character to go. It was dumb what they did with him last week on Monday. 
like I said, there's nowhere, like, unless they're just going to completely kill off Rollins' character and repackage him. Like, he was at, you know, the end of his rope, essentially, last Monday. I mean, he with that stupid promo he cut. But I was like, his character is going to commit suicide if he doesn't win this title. Like, that's what I feel like. <laughs> he, yeah, so I think they just wanted Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins for the title at SummerSlam. Otherwise, this match wouldn't have happened. It was the build was weird, but it is what it is. And it was, I enjoyed it. It was basically a rewind of WrestleMania. A lot of German suplexes hit Lesnar on the outside to the table. Uh, once Seth got the uh, control, hit a big fo- uh, frog splash to the outside on the table, took him back in, hit a curb stomp. Lesnar kicked out. He went for another curb stomp, and then Lesnar went for the F5. Rollins got out of it. And uh, gave him a super kick, hit him with a curb stomp, and then beat him. It was fine. The build was so weird. Like, it was just kind of like, it just kind of happened. And like I said, it felt just like a repeat of WrestleMania. Uh, at least Rollins has the belt now, and he could just, let's just imagine that Lesnar never cashed in, because it's basically what, exactly. it's, it's just like a rewind of what it was. So, I don't know, what'd you guys think? Well, um, I, I disagree in the fact that it was a, re, it was a rewind of WrestleMania. Um, because with WrestleMania, they... They made that, they did that match so fast and like with crotch shots and all that stuff. And this, this was a little bit more back and forth. Um, I mean, definitely Brock Lesnar had control majority of the match. But one thing that I really did like that they did for the first time I have ever seen with a Brock Lesnar match is they allowed the other person to have some offense. It was good. And it, and, and it went longer than just two hits and then, oh, F5. I mean, yeah. it was there right. was there was there was some more back and forth, and and even the the frog splash on the table, dude, that looked like it hurt in real life yeah, because did. he did, he didn't quite make the whole way, and uh, and he bounced before the table. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that hurt, and uh, even the second one in the ring, like Lesnar, he looked like he bounced off of Lesnar, yeah. like, like it looked pretty bad too. Yeah. yeah, most of the time, most of the time, the guy taking it kind of positions himself to make it not so much. Well, you know, Lesnar's not going to do that um, <laughs> right. because he's, he doesn't care about the safety and concern of other wrestlers. He only cares about himself. And there's one thing that you definitely could notice is that, um, you know, the match was only 12 to 15 minutes and Brock Lesnar looked like he was going to pass out. Um, yeah. If he, I mean, <laughs> it was like, get him a Gatorade cause he's about to die. And he always turns like the color of a tomato. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like everyone else can last so much longer in a match than Brock Lesnar. I was thrilled that I was wrong. Um, I was so excited to see him lose. And I'd be glad if we never see him again. Well, I wouldn't count on never seeing him again. Uh, but yeah, like after they did the frog splash at the table, like Brock's head turned straight red. And I remember thinking, is he okay? Like, is he actually hurt? Because this could... Uh... This is this is gonna be bad. This is gonna be real bad. And apparently he was fine. Um, obviously I didn't want Rollins to win, although I wanted Lesnar to lose it shortly after to someone I like much more than Seth Rollins, like AJ Styles or Samoa Joe. Here's how it would have been okay if Seth Rollins won. Last week he could have come out, and instead of limping to the ring, he could have been holding his ribs like he did last night, and could have come to the ring and then got beat up because he got hit in the ribs, and then after. Instead of going, I want to win, I guarantee it. 
He could have been like, I'm going to win. I don't care what happened tonight or last week. I will not let Brock Lesnar ruin WWE Raw like he has the last year. I guarantee you I will take that title back. I would have been like, all right, Seth Rollins. That's great. You do you, man. But no, he looked like a fool for three weeks. And I can't believe, like as soon as he came out, I'm like, why is he coming out like looking all normal? He should be more injured than last week because it, you know, he essentially re-injured himself <laughs> because he's an idiot. I just, I, 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 it just blows my mind how WWE thought that, that was going to make him look strong. The match yeah. made him look really strong. The match was great. I really enjoyed the match, uh, but the build up to it was just so bad. I just, if it was done well, it could have made Seth Rollins look so much better. It's just disappointing the way that it, it turned out. Well, it made sense early on for Brock to attack Rollins like he did because obviously, you know, he was going to get a rematch. And I mean, what happened last time Brock faced him in a one-on-one match? He got beat. So obviously he's going to make sure this guy doesn't come in 100%. Right. But then Rollins really made sure he didn't want to come in at 100% because he came in like an idiot after he got hurt. Like I'm saying, he should have been out. He should have been, it should have been a question of if he was going to even show up. And maybe that's when you do a, you know, sit down interview or like a, an interview from the hospital or from a rehab facility or something where he's like, that's where he gives a fiery promo. Like, you know, I'm injured. I'm doing the best I can to make it to SummerSlam. But you know what? I'm going to be there. I don't care what my injuries are. You know, the doctors tell me I'm not going to make it, but I'll be there because I can't let him ruin WWE like he's been doing it. Right. And then do something like that. Like that's where the story comes in. And then you get behind him. And then he limps out, you know, at SummerSlam, and then they have this match. Like him coming out last week was just so dumb, ridiculous. All these things, though, all these things you're talking about are all things that are written into the script. Yeah, you know, it's not like Seth Rollins said, "Here, he why do I do this?" That poor delivery. It's they're, though. they're telling him, but they're telling him to do this, and they're telling him to do it a certain way. So he goes and does it. Because that's what the script says to do. Like, I think sometimes we get caught up in the fact that they're characters being told what to do. Like, <laughs> it's not the person, Seth Rollins. It's the characters. Right, Seth right. Rollins. All in all, the match itself was good, if we're going to focus was. on that. It was pretty yeah. good. It was good. It was a good match. So let's uh, let's grade SummerSlam. So, Chris, what, what, what grade would you give SummerSlam 2019? Well, I would grade our picks uh, first. Okay, let's do that. If that's, if that's okay with you, Chris and Matt. We both have we're both eight, one, and one. Okay, because we had to have that draw because of the Kingston Orton match. Yeah. So, um, I think that's a an A plus performance. Yeah, that's an A plus performance. What's an A? I'm, I'm very I'm very proud of us. Okay, Kyle, Kyle though, Kyle was seven, two, and one. Oh, that's I mean, you're still. Worse. You're still hey, man. <laughs> go big, go big or go home is what I what I would say. So hey, dude, pick I took Seth, the risk. Hey, listen, picking Seth Rollins helped. It did. Yeah, it did. yeah. Nobody else gave him a chance. That's yeah. right. That's right. He hey, he but took I believe because of that passionate promo he gave last week on Raw. <laughs> he took. He, 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 he took, made me a believer. He took that guarantee to the to the bank. Is what he did. Yeah. yeah. The overall, honestly, I was very um, – I liked the show. Just like we talked about, the whole Orton Kingston, the way it ended, it, it that kind of was the, the the black spot, I guess you could say, of the entire um, 
pay-per-view for me. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an A minus. I like I said I liked I liked almost all of the matches, um, and the fact that uh, Lesnar lost really puts it over the top for me. But A minus, great job overall. Overall, I enjoyed it. The crowd bugged me throughout. I mean, they they were just spot. And I understand it's also like a four hour show or whatever it was. I mean, it's. Typical WWE pay-per-views nowadays, they just drag everything out. So, But at the same time, it's a Canadian crowd, so you expect them to be rowdy throughout. And they definitely took some breaks off during matches that really could have used them. But all in all, there weren't any really bad matches on the show. There was anything just like terrible on it. There were a couple of bad finishes here and there, but all in all, it was a good show. Uh, I'll give it a B-. So I do want to say before I give my grade... To, be, to follow up on talking about the crowd, to show that it's Toronto. And it's funny because Canadians are supposed to be some of the nicest people in the world, but Canadian wrestling fans are never nice. And in, in, during Kofi and Randy, instead of chanting, let's go Kofi, Randy Orton, they were chanting, <laughs> Kofi stupid, Randy sucks. <laughs> and it was, it was so good and made me so happy. And I absolutely loved it. It was, it was so good. This show... The high points were really, really high for me. The Fiend was just such a cool debut. And honestly, like I think this is something that we'll look at in 10 to 20 years. And we'll go, man, do you remember how Bray Wyatt debuted at SummerSlam 2019? I love the Goldberg-Ziggler bits. I thought AJ and Ricochet was great. I thought Trish and Charlotte was great. Randy and Kofi was great minus the finish. Seth and Goldberg was, excuse me, Seth and Brock were great minus the finish. Uh, I, I, it was it was fun. It wasn't amazing, but it was fun. B plus. So we're gonna move into now. Now we're running long here. We're already over an hour. So we're gonna do first to five. We're gonna do wrestling trivia. First person to get five right, and then we'll do uh, the Devil's Advocate Challenge. Beat the Clock Devil's African Challenge after uh, after that. All right, guys. So uh, just to remind you, we have three eras, classic, attitude, and modern. Uh, I think Matt was the last one to win. So uh, go ahead. Pick a category. Let's go with attitude. Attitude. All right. So we are going to go ahead and uh, in honor of SummerSlam, I have a, a SummerSlam question. Nice. Who became the last undisputed champion in history when he beat The Rock for the title at, at SummerSlam 2002? Uh, Kyle. Yes. Uh, Brock Lesnar? That's correct. Oh, really? Yes. Well, I didn't know that. Yes, the jerk won. <laughs> <laughs> that was back when he actually did wrestling moves in the ring. Yes, yeah. he could do more than two moves. Yes, back in back then. Hmm. All right, Kyle, pick an era, sir. Let's go classic era. Classic era. What competitor and future announcer teamed with Adrian Adonis to form the East West Connection Matt. tag team? Yes. Gorilla Monsoon. No. Ah. Could you finish your question? <laughs> yes. <laughs> What competitor and future announcer teamed with Adrian Adonis to form the East-West Connection tag team? Uh, Taz. 
Uh, Jesse the Body Ventura. Uh, okay. I knew it wasn't Taz, but I was like, I can't think of any other wrestler. Sure, from outside. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse the Body. All right. Mm, Kyle, 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 pick an era. Uh, let's go Attitude. All right. Someone's going to get this one for sure. Who won the World Heavyweight Championship at SummerSlam 2004, becoming at 24 the youngest man Matt. to ever hold the title? Randy Orton. Randy Orton is correct. Woo! All right, let's do modern. We're going to go, hey, got another SummerSlam question. Who did Shawn Michaels face one-on-one for the first time in his career at SummerSlam 2005? Matt? Matt. Brett the Hitman Hart. No. Oh. That is way wrong. I have no clue. (laughs) Shawn Michaels? Kyle. Yes. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan is correct. Wait. Oh, modern. Oh, my God. I thought we were in. Oh. <laughs> All right. So oh, we're, we're so bad. I can't believe I missed that one. Where are we it's at so now? So embarrassing. Kyle's got two. Where I got one. Okay. All right, Kyle. So embarrassing. You uh, should be embarrassed. That was awful. <laughs> That's one so of my modern. favorite matches, too. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Modern. Okay. I do not have a SummerSlam question. That's okay. Uh, what father and son team faced Undertaker in a handicap match at No Mercy 2005? Matt? Yes. Chavo and Chavo? No. Hmm. Huh. Come on, Kyle. Come on, Kyle. Uh, oh, I know it now. Father and son. Uh, Kane and Paul Bear. No, it's Randy and Cowboy Bob, right? <laughs> Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah. Randy and Cowboy Bob. That doesn't count for me, though. Still two to one. Yes. That's what, right. that's uh, what I get. I know Kane and Paul Bear aren't real funny. That's going to be funny. All right, Kyle. Uh, attitude. Attitude. What superstar defeated The Rock for the WWE Championship in a 60-minute Iron Man match at Judgment Day 2000? Kyle. Yes. Uh, Triple H. That's correct. Aw, that was my guess. But All I, right. it was like an out of left field guess. So, so it's three to one. Yeah, this isn't looking good. Here we go. All right, Kyle, pick a category. Classic. No. Classic. That's just mean. <laughs> All right. What Hall of Fame tag team won their first WWE Tag Team Championship? By defeating the Nasty Boys at SummerSlam 1991. Kyle. Yes. Mm. Which arguably is one of the best SummerSlams ever. Just so you know. Oh, God. Uh, the Steiner Brothers. No. Okay. I'm going to, I don't think this is right, but I'm going to say the Rockers. What a rush. Man, Legion of Doom. We suck. We're so off tonight. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm like, oh, we'll do first to five, so this will be fast, and we've missed like three so far. All right, go ahead. All right, Kyle. Uh, Let's do classic again. come on. (laughs) Keep this game going. (laughs) We're going to be here all night, folks. Oh, man. All right. Oh, here we go. Here we go. One of you will definitely get this. What former U.S. hero turned Iraqi sympathizer? Sergeant Slaughter. That is correct. (laughs) I only got that because I can say my name faster than Kyle can say his. (laughs) All right, 3-2, Kyle. 3-2. All right, Matt. Attitude. 
All right, another SummerSlam, man. Here we go. <laughs> what superstar did John Cena defeat in match one of a best of five series for the United States Championship at SummerSlam 2004? I do not remember this. Gosh, just 15 years ago. Good math, Matt. Good math. Yeah, thanks. What year was this? Oh, four. Uh, John Cena defeated him in match one of a best of five series for the United States Championship. Matt. Yes. Chris Benoit. No. Mm. Uh, big show. Shooky, shooky, ducky, ducky. Five-time Booker oh, T. I almost said Booker T. And I was like, I don't <laughs> remember them feuding for the U.S. title. Booker T and yeah. Chris Benoit had that great best-of-seven series in right. WCW. Yeah. And I'm like, I think it was a callback to that. And it was. I just yeah. picked the wrong guy. Let's do yeah, Adam Cena. Yeah, Cena, Cena had a great run with him in, in 2004. Gosh, I can't believe I uh, – okay, Attitude again. Should have gone with my gut on that one. Attitude. Who defeated Sable to win the newly revived – WWE Women's Kyle. Championship. Yes. Jacqueline. That's correct. What? All right, it's four to three, guys. Mm-hmm. That's not good. I actually think it's four to two. But I'll take four to three. It's four to two. Okay. <laughs> All right, four to two, four to two. All right, Cal, pick one. Uh, attitude. All right, guys. What Hispanic superstar won a tournament for the United States Matt. Championship? Yeah. Oh, oh no. No, 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 no. Uh Eddie Guerrero. That's correct. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you had to say Hispanic. You said Hispanic in tournament, and I'm like, that was Tito Santana, right? And then I realized that we're not in classic era anymore. And uh which I, I don't even know if he won the title in a tournament. I got no idea. Uh let's go to modern. In July two thousand eight, who was the first woman? To win the WWE Divas Championship. Matt. Yes. Trish Stratus. No. Mm. Uh, Kyle. Yes. Michelle McCool. Kyle, this is the first time in history that you won! Uh, <laughs> yes! Uh, <laughs> finally. That's it, right? Uh, there's, there's no punishment or anything. Yes, there is. There is. So. You, you already said... Now we're doing the 30 second. I don't think that's how I, I don't think I said that. Do you need to go back and hit re- re- replay? Uh, well, I'd have to stop recording to do that. You can hear it when you edit it later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got my timer up. Go you ahead. And... We're going we're gonna to do our 30 second devil's advocate challenge. All right. Hit me up with a question. All right, Kyle, do you want to come up with something? Or you want me to? Too? Um, go ahead, Chris. Ah, <laughs> Brain's already fried from the trivia. <laughs> Okay. All right, Matt. Yes. Are you listening? Yeah. Are you listening, Matt? Yeah. I want you to tell me and tell our amazing audience, because every one of them is amazing, and I'm catering to them as I'm trying to think of a question. Yep. I want you to tell me why Sergeant Slaughter should have been the longest running WWE champion of all time. Sergeant Slaughter? Yes. Why yeah. he should have been. That's easy. You you got the timer? You want me to do it? You you can do it. All right, here we go. And go. 
Sergeant Slaughter is a real American hero, and not only is he one of the greatest in-ring performers and promos of all time, but he was also in the classic 80s television series G.I. Joe, and if I remember correctly, he even had his own action figure. Because of this, he should have been way bigger of a superstar than Hulk Hogan ever could have thought of being, and Sergeant Slaughter should have defeated Hulk Hogan and become the WWE champion and held it for much longer than Bruno, Bruno Sammartino. That's my time. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I'm doing a bow. You can't tell. Good, good, good. good thank job. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. G.I. Joe. The more you know. Oh, what is it? No, no. And now you know, and knowing is half it's the battle. half the battle. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 12 of Wrestle Life Radio. Thank you for hanging out with us tonight. I know it was very long, but we hope you enjoyed yourself. You can follow us all on Instagram at Wrestle Life Radio and at Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. You can follow Kyle on Twitter uh, on Instagram at Kyle.poly. You can follow Chris on Instagram and Twitter at at Chris Cumby. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at WrestleLifeMatt. Again, one last time, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. Please like, please share, please tell your friends, and then come back on Wednesday as I rebut my beautiful wife. Thank you very much, everybody. Good night. See ya.